0: Uh, hi, it's uh, Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast where we talk about the beginnings of things, of uh, companies, of ideas, of careers, and even a little bit of a look into the future. And uh, today, uh, I'm delighted to be here with uh, one of my
1: uh, partners, June Deng. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, hi, Mike. It's really good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, sure. Uh, you
0: know, we get a chance to talk pretty often in uh, partner meetings and in front of companies. But like colleagues, maybe in a lot of situations, we don't actually get a chance to just talk that yeah, much. Know. So it's kind of fun to have the chance to do it, even if we had to have a podcast to make it happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, terrific.
0: So... Um, uh, obviously, you're female. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think folks may be able to tell from your accent, you're mm-hmm. uh, Chinese so uh, uh, by background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so given the fact you're an Asian woman in a U.S. venture fund, um, how did that
1: happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's an interesting question. Um, so maybe I'll just do a little bit introduction of myself. Uh, I was born and raised in China and came here at age of 20. Uh, for school, I got really lucky to be able to study at UCLA for undergrad and graduate. And in 2014, I got graduate uh, degree PhD in physiology from UCLA. Um, during my PhD, I was really intrigued about entrepreneurship. I was helping and co founded a um, career um, uh, uh, platform for Asian students called um, Leap Career. Um, Through that process, I got uh, connected to a lot of people. In the end, when I decided where I want to go after graduation, one of my close friends introduced me to a management partner here in Silicon Valley um, of a venture capital firm with a Chinese background. So there, I started as an analyst and walked my way up to investor director, Um, and I learned a lot over that process um, for both tech investment as well as life science investment. So when I think about the next step, I um, really uh, think I had a lot of synergy when I look at Julian's um, uh, Yang's uh, investment thesis. Um, and the team is really great to work with. And also I feel like the tech investment experience and life science ex- investment experience are great uh, combination, and I could co- really contribute to this team.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think you've been fabulous. and uh, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, it's true. Uh, our earlier fund, Social starts, you're a partner in Joyants, our more recent fund focused on uh, the emerging science of wellness, uh, health, and happiness, and uh, our earlier fund, Social Stars, has no PhDs in it. A lot of domain expertise and software and things like that. But when you first came into the fund and we went into some of those meetings and with scientists or bio companies, uh, they were scared straight almost immediately by your first questions, the depth of domain experience you bring to this and uh, sort of your ability to bring kind of the BS quotient with some of these scientists down to zero pretty quickly was stunning to me when I saw it and still kind of is.
1: Thank you for that compliment. Um, I think that's the power of a really diverse team that's set up at Julian's Partners. We have people uh, get the scientific science PhDs. We have people get MBAs and we have law students. So people look at a company from different angles. That's really the risk uh, for a lot of our investment.
0: Yeah, I think think so. And also uh, you didn't bring it up, but um, you're young i'm not so young um and that comes up a lot in partner meetings when bill and i who are in our 60s sometimes look to the team and go sort of makes sense to us but what difference does it make if it makes sense to the old guys it's really much more about your generation and uh, how this is going to play out uh, years from now for you um what do you think about that i mean do you have any thoughts about the generational sort of dynamic in the fund have you ever thought about it to uh you feel like you sort of are among those who represent the younger generation?
1: So absolutely, I think that is the main reason, I wanna, one of the main reasons I wanna join this group. Everybody is super uh, merit-driven, very supportive, um, and um, being able to get a chance to learn about how business are done at different uh, countries, how different cultures play into the thinking, how entrepreneurs are working together, solving problems, uh, worldwide problems, uh, give me a great um, uh, learning experience.
0: And vice versa, I think you're helping us, uh, all of you guys, younger, uh, different backgrounds are helping uh, us as a group understand what we need to do better than we might if it was just the two of us, Bill and me, or if it was all of us being the same. So your day-in-day-out role is bio partner. Biology, biological systems, all of that that ties into your background. That's a really big area. Uh, it covers almost anything. So how do you uh, focus? How do you think the fund should focus uh, to actually kind of pick the raisins out of the pudding and so uh, big an area?
1: Um, that's terrific as I think as a team we discuss that uh, about that a lot and our team is a very data-driven team we don't um, decide on the trends but we uh, collect social signal we collect information from database and we have proprietary data to tell us what is the next biggest trend and in life science as you mentioned there's a Really broad category: pharmaceuticals, uh, biotechnologies, medical device, digital health, and every one of them is complicated uh, and very s- require a lot of specialized um, uh, insights. Every one of them is very different. So for us, um, after our study uh, research of the market, we decided a few categories as our main focus: um, mental health, neuroscience, neurotech. Uh, genomics, uh, genetics solutions as a foundation for precision health and precision diagnostic, digital health, as well as uh, microbiome. So these are the core focus of uh, our investment in life science currently.
0: Any of those surprise you? Any of those different than you thought when you came from sort of a more traditional uh, medical science, health science fund into uh, our wild and crazy early stage environment.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, that's actually quite surprising at the beginning without doing those systematic research. Uh, But it turned out to make a lot of sense um, as we are seeing how digital health are empowering each individual as we're seeing microbiomes really picking up uh, over the past few years. Um, I think those um, data driven approach really helps. Um, Otherwise, we'll just do the blend work uh, as um, any other funds or, or any other investors doing um, um, be comfortable of doing what they are comfortable with uh, over the history, but um, not uh, forward-looking. Yeah,
0: you know, uh, one of the things where you guys, you and our other PhD uh, partner, Taku Nakahara, helped me with a lot or opened my eyes to was um, how all this works. So if you talk about it as you just did in sort of the traditional view, you come into bio, you do some little tests in a lab, you get the money to do a bigger test in a lab, maybe you do some tests with animals, you go through this whole prolonged, expensive FDA process, the amount of money required is enormous, the amount of time is uh, extended, the amount of risk is enormous. And on the face of it, it seems impossible for a small, very early stage fund to get anywhere here. And then from you guys, uh, I began to learn with your uh, backgrounds and the imagination you brought to it that there are some companies here where the impact of the outcome is so great that even if the early tests show reasonably strong results, those companies might actually be acquired uh, very early. Uh, and not take as much money from early stage investors like us and have the uh, uh, acquirers and the big farmers come in earlier and I'd never even really thought about that and that's actually become part of what we analyze when we look at companies in this uh, in this area now.
1: Um, that's a really great point um, for um that's another reason we don't compete with the traditional life science investors. As uh, data show us, the average A of a pharmaceutical company investment has pumped up to over $10-$50 um, million. And that's um, not even possible for us to make a meaningful investment. But on the other hand, a lot of the focus area we defined um, has an early um, uh, exit opportunities or... Uh, It's really case-by-case a lot of times. Um, Some of the research, even though at early beginning uh, for venture funding, they have been supported by non-tellative funding for over a decade of period, and they have tons of pre-clinical data. So those uh, opportunities, we think, are really great for our firm. Um, Because our firm is set up to be really active investors and we have the capability to see tons of deals per year for the areas we're interested so we're able to filter out um those companies that have sort of unfair advantages when um uh, comparing to their peers and we only invest in one percent of them anyway
0: so i'm curious when you came to work for uh, joyan you came from a rather traditional in every way i think uh kind of fund far fewer companies, bigger checks, more control. That must have been uh, uh, kind of a startling transition for you, and also from everybody sitting in one room with Mr. Big, and I think it was Mr. Big at one end of the table, and everybody ranging down to a fund that's essentially virtual, where everything is a conference call. So talk to me a little bit. How was that transition? How did it feel, and, and how did you work your way through it?
1: Um, that's a very in- interesting experience. I did have some thoughts Uh, before I joined the firm, I wasn't sure even if I were able to fund to handle the virtual fund sort of a uh, working style. But it turned out to work so well. And you're right. Uh, my previous firm, the uh, management partner, I worked closely. Take nine board seats, and I were able to take uh a board service. seat for one of the therapeutic companies. Uh, in my portfolio. Um, So this fund is said to be very different than traditional fund. One is uh, we look at lots of deals. We do uh, early beginning investment. We are geographically uh, distributed. Um, That is because we are set to be the first professional investors uh, when entrepreneurs start to seek funding. And to achieve that, we think, uh, we want to be on uh, the ground. We Julian's partners have full-time members in different countries and different locations of the U.S. Um, we have seven, eight locations in the U.S., and we have full-time members in Europe and uh, Japan. Um, it turns out um, works really well and really efficient. I got to uh, attend a lot of... Meetings in the Bay Area cover a lot of um, institute in the Bay Area connections in the Bay Area, and other people does the same thing uh, at their geographic location. I think um, that just promote efficiency, uh, and I think you have done a really good job uh, managing all of us at different locations uh, to make sure that the team run really smoothly, uh, and everybody really trusts each other uh, and support each other, and in this way we got a lot of deals flow. Well,
0: thanks. Uh, Well, you know, you've heard me say it, and um, I've said it on this podcast, I think, and in public some, that Bill and I believe strongly in uh, love, even though that sometimes makes folks kind of go, "Mm, icky, you know. But we generally mean it, that uh, our experience has been that if a group of folks loves what they're doing and loves one another, then basically anything's possible. Uh, Joy opens up. Energy energy opens up time. Time opens up accomplishment. Accomplishment opens up confidence, and confidence produces success. And uh, that's what uh, we believe, and that's what we're trying to do with the team, and that's what we uh, believe differentiates uh, the startups uh, as well. Our our companies that do well uh, have a lot of love in them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely I think um um currently the team run really well, and we keep tracking entrepreneurs with the same vision uh I have the same synergy with our courses at delightful moments uh and it's just a really good thing to be on this team
0: now we've talked a little bit about um the not to get political but to get political about the changing situation between the u s and China and all these noise about huawei and uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh the difficulties in being in both um uh, cultures and both political systems as somebody who's kind of in both cultures and mm-hmm. uh, right. exposed to both political systems uh, what are your thoughts there and how do you think an early stage fund like ours should pay attention or simply ignore those kinds of macro issues
1: um well those macro issues are- definitely couldn't be ignored. Um, I never worked in China, uh, only worked in the United States, but um, I do have a lot of friends working in Chinese healthcare system. So I think two folks, I can comment on that. One is on the investment front. Uh, 10 years ago, I think when my previous firm started investing in the Silicon Valley, uh, there really no uh, Chinese investor, and they're probably the only group over there at uh, incubator demo days. But uh, uh, for the past five years, there, there were a huge wave of investment in Silicon Valley and other parts of the U.S. Uh, to get access to, the da- to technologies and data here. Uh, however, that's sort of ceased uh, since last year uh, when the trade war started. And I think for the foreseeable a near future, that's con- continued to be seized uh, for a lot of the political reasons, and um, that is just something we cannot um, we cannot do anything about it. Uh, a lot of my uh, investor friend in the valley has returned to China or stopped investing here, and I s- start to see people really going to Europe right now um, to acquire technologies um, or investing technology companies over there. And another thing is very interesting to me. Um, I have very good friends working in uh, private hospitals in Shanghai and other places, and they sometimes we chat about the healthcare system in China. I think I can also comment a little bit on that if that's interesting to our um, group. Um, from um, um, Western perspective, Chinese healthcare really has a lot of problems for patients. Um, like um, Inconsistent quality of uh, uh, care, lack of privacy, uh, not enough doctors, long waiting times uh, after just a a few minutes of visits. Um, But when you try to understand something, you want to put that under a bigger contact. Uh, For Chinese mentality is very different than uh, Americans. Um, They have this uh, Eastern type of collective thinking rather than here, people focus on individualism. Um, With um, a 1.4 billion population and uh, per capita income of around $8,000, the government really uh, tried to provide basic coverage for the whole population. And when we here um, uh, started Obamacare in 2010, um, which had a lot of, uh, um, which tried to um, bring coverage to a lot of um, uh, underrepresented groups, um, it's still like after many years still leave 13% of the Americans uh, uncovered by insurance. But in the same time, China was trying to do the same thing. From 2009 to 2011, they got 95% of the population get covered. I think I'm overall quite po- optimistic in overall healthcare industry in China is because they take 6% of GDP to put to cover almost every one of the population over there, and they have a lot of room to improve. But um, in the U.S., we are paying about 18% of the GDP on healthcare, and there's there are room to improve uh, also with the uh, rigid of a regulation system, healthcare system, and political climate.
0: Yeah, it's very different environments in Japan, too. Yeah. Uh, even different twice the per capita uh, cost uh, on healthcare, but all covered by one uh, payer. So each country is different. It's something we've been having to deal with. And obviously, you're talking about Europe. We're about to start joyance in Europe, uh, in part because of those uh, trends, but also because when we look at Europe, we see more AI scientists per capita, more information scientists per capita, a lot of these raw materials that should produce extraordinary outcomes in the areas we care about. And yet, to a significant degree, we haven't quite seen those outcomes yet. And so it looks like uh, there may be an opportunity to get in and kind of uh, stir up the pot a little bit and uh, uh, implement some change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I um, think there are going to be a lot of exciting new startups for us in Europe, uh, which going to be start very soon.
0: So um, you're, uh, I'm toward the end of my career, the later stages of my career. You're pretty early in your career. Um, so um, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, who's June? What's June doing? <laughs> Where's June doing it?
1: Thanks so much for asking that. Um, I've been really enjoying my career as a venture capitalist so far. This is my fifth year as a venture capital investor. Um, Really excites me of uh, helping uh, companies to uh, start uh, and scale. I think I hope um, ten years from now I would be able to help some really great companies to scale. Maybe I'll be uh, there as an entrepreneur myself. Maybe I'll stay in the venture capital uh, industry, but this has been really excites me a lot.
0: Well, it's great to work with you. It's great to talk to you, so I really appreciate your being here today. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you on Partner Meeting. (music)